This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game. Guess what day it is, huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is? Hello, you there, boy. Me, sir? Yes, you, my good fellow. What day is today? Today? Because, ladies and gentlemen, today is... It's LSU Bama Day. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it is. It is LSU Bama Day. We've been waiting 14 days. Well, technically, I'd say we've been waiting a lot longer than that. Technically, we've been waiting about 365 days, plus a few more added on top of it, to get to this moment in time. And ladies and gentlemen, it is officially Bama Day and we're celebrating LSU Bama Day the only way we know how. It has to do it inside the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing. From the roof to the roots of Acadiana, these people have you covered when it comes to the great stuff. All you got to do is call them up at 237-ROOF. That's 237-7663. And, of course, if you want to call us up, and I think you're going to want to get your shots up if you haven't given a prediction yet for LSU Bama. Now is the time. Call us up. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Don't be afraid to call in on the Arco Equipment Hotline because trust me, we want the smoke. And I think all of us want the smoke heading into that LSU Bama game. What did you say? What, what did you just say? Did I stutter? I said, we want the smoke. 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 And we really want the smoke on this wonderful Saturday morning. Hopefully you're enjoying it, getting ready for LSU Bama. However you're doing so, be it you're grilling and chilling, having a few cold ones. Enjoy them for me because we got a lot of things to get to involving LSU-Bama. We've got a whole two and a half hours to do so, leading you up to the pregame show right here on 103.7 The Game. Chris Blair on the call as always, but first we'll have the good brothers Hunt Palmer, Marlon Favorite, and Brandon Taylor taking care of business on the LSU Sports Raider Network. Started at 12.30, but guess what? It's time to kind of give you a look at what happened last night across the Acadiana area. It's week 10, baby. That means we're starting to flip the script and go towards the postseason playoffs. You heard me right. It's time to get to those playoffs and that conversation. But first, let me give you an idea of what happened last night across Acadiana. (laughs) 
And of course, we start things off with Acadiana Lafayette High in 3-5A action. The Wrecking Rams get it done. 51-20 victory to make it a 10-0 undefeated season. I'll be the first since 1984. Acadiana, not really preoccupied with 1985. They're more a fan of 2019 right about now. They have every chance of making a run to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Barb and Como squared off last night as well, and Barb comes away with a huge road win, 41-20 over the Spartans. Sam Houston beats Sulphur 56-19. Southside beats New Iberia 49-35. That means the Sharks have pretty much clinched a ticket, or punch a ticket, I should say, to the postseason. Eunice beats LaGrange 21-18. Rain beats Washington Marion 40-18. St. Thomas Moore made it look easy against North Vermillion, 62-14. The final over there. Thursday night action, Carriker and Westgate. And this will want to be the determining factor for District 5-4A, the district title. Carriker beats Westgate 35-17. It's a split. The pie split three different ways between Carriker, Westgate, and St. Thomas Moore. Turlings Catholic beats Northside 35-12. Brought up St. Thomas Moore seemingly... Well, what I'm talking with James Buers about it a little bit is if we see St. Thomas Moore hold that number one seed, we'll talk about that with him then. Opelousas beats Beauchene 34-18. Pro Bridge taking down Livonia 28-15. DeRitter beats Cecilia 31-23. Church Point beats Pine Prairie 52-12. Iota blanks Mamu 20 to nothing. Northwest beats Ville Platte 33 to 6. Erath beats Abbeville 24 to 22. Oh man, what a great game between those two. St. Martinville beats Crowley 37 to 32. Kaplan beats Lake Arthur 47 40. Lafayette Christian Academy, the night train rolled over Welsh 55 to 3. Kaplan and Lake Arthur again 47 40. Notre Dame beats Port Berry 55 nothing. Ascension Episcopal beats West St. Mary 35-6. Catholic High New Iberia beats Franklin 48-22. Oh, man, those Catholic High New Iberia getting it done. Homa Christian beats Delcom 34-28. Lauraville beats Generet 42-0. And then we had Centerville Highland Baptist 48-14. Centerville gets the big W. Vermilion Catholic blanks Central Catholic 29-0. And then Hanson Memorial beats Covenant Christian 27-7. What a great way to kind of wrap up the regular season when it comes to high school football in the Acadiana area. It only means one thing, just kind of the overall like landscape of things. I talked about it a little bit last week. I don't mind revisiting the topic right here, right now. First things first, to me, Acadiana High out of all the programs in the Acadiana area, I feel like they have the best chance of making it to the state championship game. St. Thomas Moore probably will have a relatively easy road right here, right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they have a bye heading into Division Two. I think they have a chance to do some great things. But Acadiana High is just on an absolute tear this season, and I feel like they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I wouldn't be surprised come Sunday morning they're a top, three seed in Class 5A, the big dogs of high school football. I think though that's a program that you need to definitely look at. 
as a strong, strong favorite. Outside of that, I think right here, right now, there's no real, like, true favorite in the Class 4A playoffs. I think Caracro has every chance to make a really solid run, but I think the quarterfinal matchup is going to be where they hit the brick wall because that's where they hit it in the past. I think they get to that point, and it ends. And a lot of that has to do, I talked about it last night during the postgame show, Popcorn Parajan not part of the team due to injury. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on when you look at what's going on with the Caracol Golden Bears. I think that's going to hurt them a lot, especially if they play in those quarterfinals a high-caliber team, maybe like a Neville. Again, they're going to be a top-10 seed. There's not a doubt in my mind. Maybe even a top-5 seed in the in the Class 4A playoffs. When you look at the select schools, I think obviously Division I is not going to really matter for the people in the Acadian area because it's a lot of Baton Rouge programs, a lot of these notable names. You kind of figure out what's going to happen with those. But the select schools across Acadiana, they have some really good contenders. St. Thomas More, I think, is definitely the one everybody talks about every single year because they've been one of the more dominant teams in this select, non-select era we've been a part of, and hopefully that can in sooner rather than later. That's a different conversation for a different day. But St. Thomas More has looked really good this season. Mind you, a couple roadblocks along the way, Cavagai, Baton Rouge, and of course the Westgate ball game after the Danny Jones take that was a bad freezing cold take only 24 hours later. I can tell you right here, right now, that the St. Thomas More Cougars have a chance to do something special this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if they can pull it off. Looking at Division Three with them, the Lafayette Christian Academy Knights, they've moved on up to the east side. They're finally kind of getting a piece of that 2A pie, and they got a huge win over Notre Dame a few weeks ago. And Lafayette Christian Academy, the only loss they have is against Acadiana High, who has just been an absolute on an absolute tear. Lafayette Christian Academy has just been an absolutely outstanding program the last couple of years in the transition, the jump from Division Four in the in terms of the select schools, how things are organized. They've done amazing. They've done a bang-up job to turn things and make it an easy transition. It's either going to be Notre Dame or LCA, or maybe even both. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if those two teams are one and two because those two programs are just absolute beasts. If we see them face off possibly in a final matchup, that would be the most outstanding thing and everybody would just fill Cajun Field if that happened. But, of course, you're also wondering what's going to happen with another Acadian area team that's going on in Vermilion Parish with the Vermilion Catholic Screaming Eagles. They have been absolutely fantastic this year. Again, a big win last night over Central Catholic, 29-0 win. I think that's absolutely positively huge to help bolster their resume heading into tomorrow when we find out who is facing who. It's going to be a lot of fun to kind of break that down throughout the next several days because we've got so many things to talk about when it comes to high school football, and we'll do a lot of that in the next segment because we got James Buers aboard. He's coming on to talk a little high school football, recap week 10, look ahead to the postseason. I'm glad I was able to get him on the program. At 1030, we are having Steve Lassen on the show. we got to have him on. Get a look at college football right here, right now, heading into a big-time Saturday. 
Obviously, LSU Bama will dominate the conversation. The CFP rankings, we'll talk about that and more at 10.30. 11.30, Ross Jackson, all Saints considered. Saints are back off a of bye week. Alvin Kamara's back. Jared Cook's back. Patrick Robinson, is he back? Who's all the way back and who's going to be out this week? And more importantly, are the Dirty Birds better than the record says they are? Because this was all the talk has been about amongst the players. True or false on that. At 12 o'clock, high noon, we're getting one last look at LSU-Bama with Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. But, of course, we'll end the show with something really cool. I put this together a few days ago. Hopefully, you like it. We're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with a whole lot more. James Buers joining the program next. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. The numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. Fat! On Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And, of course, it is LSU-Bama Day. But guess what? It's also kind of wrapping up the regular season of prep football. I mean, it's kind of a look ahead as well to what's going to be going on tomorrow afternoon. Whenever we find out where certain teams are in the playoff system across the state of Louisiana, to do that, we go to the Arco Equipment Hotline, kind of a little look back at Week Ten and look ahead to the postseason with our guy James Buers of the Advocate. James, what's going on, man? Hey, Clint, how you doing, man? Good to talk to you. I am doing fantastic because one, it's LSU Bama Day. I think that's just more important than anything. <laughs> but hey, guess what? It's also Week Ten in the books. That means tomorrow we find out the playoff rankings. But first, let's take a look back at what happened. On Thursday and Friday night, starting things off, obviously, Carriker-Westgate, the game that had everybody's attention in 5-4-A to determine if there was going to be a three-way tie and a, a sharing of the District 5-4-A crown. I'm so used to saying 4-4-A. Now it's 5-4-A. But what can you say about the Carriker-Westgate matchup this past Thursday night? It was definitely seemed to be all Carriker. Yeah, an outstanding win for, for Karen Crow. And really what they were able to do was just take control in the second half. They outscored Westgate twenty one to nothing after halftime. They were trailing seventeen to fourteen at halftime and you know, it really Karen Crow was struggling to to contain Kayshawn Boutte, uh Westgate's terrific all state receiver who's committed to LSU. He had uh two touchdown receptions, one of which was just a simple swing pass that he caught and made one move, cut up field and score from about sixty one yards out. Uh, and, you know, Westgate, it wasn't just Kayshawn. They were able to move it pretty consistently. McColvin's son, uh, who's a re- receiver who's committed to Kansas Kansas State, uh, also had a really nice first half as well. I thought Brendan Landry, their quarterback, did a nice job. But one thing Tony Corville said they did at halftime was, or at least the, the adjustment they made at halftime was, 
they, as Nick Saban would say, they stopped declaring themselves on defense. They kind of were tipping their hand a little bit, allowing Westgate to get to the line of scrimmage, see what they were doing on defense, and then and then call the play. They they kind of tamped that down a little bit, and I think that confused Westgate a little bit. And then from there, they were able to start pressuring Landry. Uh, Nick Egan's the defensive end, uh, had three, all three of the sacks on back-to-back drives, uh, including uh, one that forced a, a turnover on downs. And, and uh, Karen Crow was able to score after those those sacks, so uh, which was critical. But the star of the night, obviously, was Kendrell Williams. You know, I, he, to me, he's been the best. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the be, uh, one of the best ball carriers in the area, aside from uh, Dylan Monetta at Acadiana. Uh, just a, a, a really impressive combination of speed and power. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that will take a short gain and make it into a long gain simply by dragging defenders with him by continuing to drive his legs. And he had well over 200 yards to the night. I think it was his best game of his career thus far and finished with four touchdowns. So uh, all, all in all, a, a really good win for Karen Crow, and it looks like it's going to get them to maybe the, the number five seed in the, in the Class 4A playoffs. I, I don't want to speak too soon because I've been wrong about these seeds before, even some of the projections I've looked at haven't exactly been uh, true to form, but um, but it looks like they're going to be in the, in the in the top six uh, at the worst. I think that's absolutely huge for a character program that has definitely surprised a lot of people, seeing what they've been able to do all throughout the season, especially now, like the last few weeks, doing it without popcorn praise on how crucial he's been towards this team. I mean, how, how have you seen this team kind of like galvanize themselves after – the popcorn praise on injury a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, I, I've been impressed. You know, I'm pleasantly surprised with how they've how they've adjusted. And I, you know, I think a big thing was they were able to play a couple teams after uh, Traylon got hurt. Uh, you know, in, in Abbeville and Northside that are struggling. So they were, you know, Carrico was expected to win the game anyway. But in in winning those games, they were also able to get some of their new ball carriers some more touches and, and get them kind of acclimated to the offense, like Lucas Williams, who was moving from wide receiver to, to halfback. And Lucas played great the other night against Westgate. I was really impressed with him. But also Dante Darjon is another young kid that they're integrating into the offense. I thought I think he's been uh, a plus for them. So, so I've been really impressed with the way Karen Crow has responded uh, to Popcorn's injury. I thought you know, Karen Crow was a team to me that that I felt like could get deep in the 4A playoffs. And when they lost Popcorn, I, I was uncertain about that. I just didn't know if they would, um, you know, be able to replace the, his production. I knew what you were going to get with Kendrell Williams, but who was going to be the other guy? Because you can't give it to Kendrell every play. But uh, but 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 Lucas Williams and Dante Zarjan and even even Tavian Falk, the quarterback, occasionally um, with the, with his athleticism can make some plays. Uh, it looks like Karen Crow is going to be fine and be a, a, a serious threat in the 4A playoffs. I think they will be talking right now with, of course, our guy James Buers of The Advocate. If there's anybody that's worth following on Twitter when it comes to high school football, I definitely think without a doubt it is our guy James Buers. And, of course, sticking with District 5-4A, I think one of the more intriguing things heading into tomorrow is what's going to happen with Division Two playoffs STM heading into the game, it felt like, you know, right here, right now, they win that game over North Vermillion, which they did. They'd secure a number one seed, but there's some rumor and innuendo going around that Ward Easton might be forfeiting a game they had against De La Salle. Is that true or false, James? Well, yeah, 
so I, I did. I wasn't aware of that. So, so that's actually news to me that 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 there that that was the reason why Dallas Sal was jumping STM because I, I noticed that last night when I was checking the. Uh, Louisiana Sportsline does a good job of updating the power ratings daily uh, using the LHSA's formula, and I saw that Delta had jumped STM, and I was I was surprised by that because before going into the game, it didn't seem like you know it seemed like STM's point lead was too great for anybody to jump them, but that would make sense if if a team like Warren Easton had to forfeit a game, that that would give Delta enough points to jump uh, STM. And keep in mind. Dallas is, is awarded more points for beating a team in a higher classification than STM is because Dallas is a private 3A school competing in Division Two, and STM is a private 4A Division uh, school competing in Division Two. So basically, Dallas get if if if, mm-hmm. if STM were to beat Warren Easton and Dallas were to beat Warren Easton, Dallas would get more points for doing so. I know that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but that's just how it works. Uh, in the PowerPoint system of the LHSA. So that surprised me, and that's kind of disappointing if STM does get jumped because, you know, I, I, it's not the end of the world. They, they Actually, a couple of years ago, they went down to New Orleans and played Delosau at Tulane uh, at uh, Ullman Stadium, Tulane Stadium, uh, in the semifinals and lost a really great game. But, um, but I, you know, I still think STM would have a really good shot at getting the Superdome, even if they had to go on the road in the semifinals. But still, I, you know, of course you want the home game, and especially a semifinal game. So that would be a little disappointing for the Cougars. But uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, I, like I said, I still think the Cougars have a good chance. And you bring up the Superdome, of course, the division, the select teams will be playing in the Superdome this year. It kind of brings up another question when it comes to what's going to happen now. Now a potential wrench has been thrown into the plans that everybody was expecting where – You'd see a team like maybe an LCA and Notre Dame, and you have like I mean, Vermilion Catholic probably be three of these top seeds. And if they make it all the way through, that would mean potentially we'd have them all go to Cajun Field. Now that puts a potential wrench in the game plan. Now maybe STN can be taken out of the equation if De La Salle makes it all the way to the final. Right? Yeah. No. That 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 would be you know, I guess it would it would, it would throw a wrench in the plans. Obviously. You know, STM, if they were the two seed, they wouldn't see Dallas Allen until the state championship game, theoretically. But, but yeah, that would be interesting if, if, if they ended up matching up uh, with Dallas Allen because, you know, if Dallas Allen is the higher seed in that, in that scenario, they have the choice of where they would like to play their state championship game. So they could host it at Tulane Stadium if they if, – or well, they, they would have to have an agreement to play it at a neutral site because by, according to the bylaws that were passed, the two schools have to agree to play it at a neutral site, regardless of where it is. Uh, but and so, it, and if they don't agree, then then the higher seeded team would just play the, the state championship game at where they normally play their home games. And Del South doesn't, you know, I graduated from Del South. They don't have a home field. They usually play, you know, at at um, at Pan American in Mid City or maybe even Tad Gormley. Sometimes they do play home games at Tulane. So. Uh, We'll see what happens, but yeah, you know, there's still a lot of indecision with that, with where the select championship games uh, are going to be played. I mean, your your guess is as good as mine, Clint. James, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thank you so much, Clint. Have a good one. All right, that was James Buers of the Advocate. You can follow him on Twitter at James Buers. Going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD. On Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game.
Every time C.D. takes the mic, is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with C.D. on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Efforting, if you will, to try and get Steve Lassen on the program of Athlon Sports. He's been joining us all season long and appropriate. we got to have him on for LSU Bama Day, the biggest day of the year for everybody. Is hey, we get to talk about what are the odds this year for LSU to beat Alabama. I think that's obviously what's causing all this in Acadiana, and without a doubt, I got to give an edge to LSU significantly. Is a one thing and one thing only, and it is without a doubt their quarterback, Joe Burrow, Joey Broadway, Joey Football. The man has been an absolute beast all season long. I wouldn't be surprised if he runs it back again tonight or this afternoon against Alabama. Alabama's defense isn't necessarily the beast that it was. You had, obviously, you know, we see a lot of things happen with the Alabama defense. Dylan Moses being out for the year before the season even starts. A lot of notable injuries throughout the season hurting them. I think this is the year. And I'll talk about a lot more later on in the program because I've got a lot of thoughts and I've got a lot of things to give you because, of course, we got another 90 minutes or so left before we get to the pregame show between LSU and Alabama right here on 103.7 The Game. So like we have all season long, we we have them on. In fact, I saw something last night. That apparently, Colorado is going to have the LSU Sports Radio Network as well, which is just some really cool stuff to begin with. But all around, this is a day that people have had marked on the calendar since last year because everybody felt like things were getting better against Alabama. Last year felt like it was progress towards this very moment. Three years ago, 2016, Ed Ogeron hired as the interim head coach, getting ready for a Whale of a season after a tough loss to Auburn as time expired, thanks to Les Miles and his clock management skills rearing their ugly head again, being a big reason why he was booted out when he was. Ed Ozer becomes the interim head coach. We all know what the story is, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens tonight with that game. But, of course, there's other notable games that everybody's talking about, and one coming up in about another 20 minutes or so, and that is the Penn State-Minnesota game. Number four, Penn State. Number 17, Minnesota. The fighting P.J. Flex and the Nittany Lions squaring off in a battle of undefeated teams. And that could really kind of determine which way things go in the CFP, which programs get into the college football playoff, which conferences are going to have two representatives potentially because I think if Penn State loses tonight or this this afternoon, it's 11 o'clock kickoff, if they lose that game, they're out of playoff contention. 
But if they win and then they play Ohio State and lose that one, I think that could help Penn State's case a little bit more. It'll definitely help Ohio State's case to be the number one program in the country because their defense was an absolute beast. But it still shows, like, hey, this is going to be a huge weekend because of those two games. That's where chaos could reign supreme. If you have Minnesota win, that puts a lot of things like all over the place. The world of college football will be shooketh, if you will. And then we have Baylor TCU, another game that everybody's kind of looking at, not necessarily going to be like all eyes on like they will be at 2.30, but some people are going to see a Big 12 matchup and say, hey, you've got to give the edge to Baylor here. But I wouldn't be surprised if TCU could be a team to at least embrace a little bit of the insanity of college football. Th- crazy things can and will happen in the Big 12. Don't count out GMFP Gary Patterson to get things done as the coach. But it's just it's wild to see also what's going on with those two conferences. Big 12, right here, right now, Oklahoma's not out of it. Trust me, it could be easier said than done, but I think you can tell Right now, there's a lot of changes across the country. But right here, right now, two SCC teams and two Big Ten teams are the college football playoff. I think that's what everybody was talking about, and they were wondering, was this fair or not? I think this was absolutely positively fair. I think they handled things the only way you could. And I loved what I heard from the committee. At first, I was at the Cajuns game the other night, and I heard this, and I was immediately just shaking my head and wondering why did Ohio State get number one. And you look at Ohio State's body of work, I think you can definitely say they are the best team in the country. It's not as much because, oh, hey, they played the best teams. Oh, no, they haven't played really the creme de la creme of football programs, but not comparative to what LSU and Alabama have played. LSU played Texas, which is not back. Spoilers. Then you have Ohio State. They played teams like like Wisco a couple weeks ago and held them to seven points. They beat Michigan State 34-10. The most notable games they play played this year were in the last couple weeks. I feel like the Wisconsin game, more than anything, weighs heavily on it. They had a bye week last week. And now they get ready for a matchup against Maryland. Maryland can want to trip them up a little bit, but it's all about what happens on the 23rd and the 30th for Ohio State and their playoff chances. I think they wind up probably being very competitive against Michigan because I think Michigan is going to be up for this game because now you don't have to worry about Urban Meyer. I think that bugaboo, that ghost for the khakis, the khaki culture over in Ann Arbor, I really think that might be the year for them to pull things off. I'm not 100% sure, but I'd give them every opportunity to come away with the big win. On the other side of things, of course, the Penn State-Ohio State game is going to loom large. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff that I probably want. I would love to have that be a primetime game rather than 11 o'clock. But then again, Big Ten is a weird place, and they love 11 a.m. games. Gives you a lot more marquee. Thank God that the Pac-12 doesn't necessarily do that nearly as much. But then again, they love their Pac-12 after dark, and I am all the way up for it. 
but definitely pretty light when it comes to the Pac-12 kind of after dark stuff that I love. Because, again, I think I've mentioned this before on the show. I'm from the South, born and raised here. In fact, right here in Cajun country, heart of Louisiana. But I love me some Pac-12 football, especially late at night, because that's usually whenever you're starting to wrap up your evening. You're starting to wrap things up. The only game that's been going on is a Washington State-Cal game that really does not matter in the grand scheme of things. Both programs, 4-4 four and four in the year, 1-4 and four in the Pac-12. Mike Leach, just pop all this year. Cal the same way. But I love Pac-12 after dark. If you've never watched a Pac-12 game a little after 9, 10 o'clock, you haven't really lived, in my opinion. Is that is when you see the wildest possible games. You see the just the insanity of high of college football at its most insane, most lit, if you will. There's a lot of games that we can talk about. Of course, we've got the San Jose State Hawaii game, Nevada San Diego State. There's a couple late night tips, but I'm not looking forward to it as much as say an Oregon game because Oregon's gonna be another team to look at. When you just think about the college football playoff and how things land, because the, the Ducks are actually really good this year, unbeaten. They have, they're on the bye this week, and they'll play Arizona, Arizona State the next two weeks, and then you've got Oregon State to wrap up the regular season. No ranked teams. I think that's going to hurt their overall resume when you just look at the interview of it all. But I'm going to be intrigued to see what happens over the next couple weeks in the Pac-12 see how things shake out over there because they're going to be possibly on the outside looking in and it's not because of them not trying because they'll have an undefeated team more likely than not of course Pac-12 after dark has seen some crazier stuff but I can say right here right now Pac-12 is out of the equation because of the fact that you have two Big Ten and two SEC teams seemingly in contention at this point in time of course you got to have LSU lose to Bama and maybe lose to A&M in a few weeks' time right after Thanksgiving. Or you can have it go the other way around. LSU beats Bama, and then Auburn beats Bama in the Iron Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens this year because we've seen that Auburn can pull off the upsets, and they almost beat LSU last time These last time LSU took the field. I would probably say right here, right now, what's what's got a better odds happening? I think LSU beating Bama and LSU and Auburn beating L, Auburn beating Bama. There we go. Got it out there. A little bit of a tongue twister trying to jump around to a bunch of different topics. Wish we could have had Steve Lassen on. It is what it is. We'll move on. We'll take a quick timeout. And I'm going to talk a little Cajuns because, trust me, why not do a little Cajuns corner? On this Louisiana Saturday morning, after all, they're 7-2 on the year. More importantly, more importantly, Cajuns basketball. Got jump-started the other night. I liked what I saw. Give you my observations on that and a whole lot more. But guess what? If you want to get your shots up, talk LSU, Bama, trust me, that Arco Equipment Hotline, it'll be open until 1130. Get it in. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. You're listening to Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. From the preps, I give it a uh, a ten, a ten to the pros, and everywhere in between. 
Let's get back under the dome with the world-famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. And my goodness, we got a lot of things to talk about on this wonderful Saturday afternoon. It's possibly, I was saying this to one of my friends the other day, and this is probably one of my favorite weekends of the year. Not just because of the LSU-Bama game. Not just because of the Saints-Falcons. I'll give you an idea of what's on tap a little bit later to start off the 11 o'clock hour, like we do every Friday, every Saturday, excuse me. I wanted to say it's Friday. It's Saturday. It is LSU-Bama day, and trust me, I think the LSU Tigers right about now, they're getting amped up, getting hyped, because they want the smoke. Because we want the smoke. Huh? We want the smoke. Santo. We want the smoke. Uh-huh. We want the smoke. Come on, Charlie. We want the smoke. Yes, they do, and I'm absolutely loving the fact that it is LSU Bama Day, but there's a lot of things worth talking about. And I think the biggest thing for me is what's going on with the Cajuns. Seven and two, baby. I said it heading into the year, and I got laughed at on Bumper to Bumper Sports. I got laughed at during Five Guys Stories and Lies. I got laughed at for my prediction. Seven and two, I had the prediction of nine and three. They have a chance to do something that's never been done and possibly in the season ten and two. They do that, that is an amazing year. Nine and three is an amazing year because, again, we talk a lot about what's happened in the past with Hudson and the the high Hudson years. Whatever they were absolutely dominant. What was their record? Eight and four. Eight and four. Eight and four. Eight and four. For four years in a row, and where did that get you? To the New Orleans Bowl. Nine and three, ten and two tells me they have made a lot more progress and definitely deserve to be considered for a higher-level bowl game than the New Orleans Bowl if they don't win the Sun Belt Conference title. That being said, App State definitely kind of writes their own check in this case. If they beat South Carolina tonight and dominate, or just win that game, period, because that's who's playing... App State football, South Carolina. App State could very well run the table the rest of the way because they've got Georgia State. Georgia State could be a tough game for them. If Georgia State wins that, then then it's no holds barred. Anything goes when it comes to the Sunbelt Conference title game and where that is going to be at. But that's tomorrow. That's next week talk. Today it's all about App State, South Carolina. And then... App State's going to play Texas State and Troy. And Troy isn't necessarily the beast that they've been in the past. So maybe, just maybe, we see what happens with the East after the 16th. If that changes a lot of things, where who goes where? Because I think that you can say right here, right now, that the Cajuns have a strong, strong chance of getting to host that game. And, of course, that's what everybody's been talking about is what happens if the Cajuns have to host this game. Does this mean we're going to see these state title games be played 
at Cougar Stadium in Crowley for the Notre Dame of Acadia Parish Pios or at the LCA Stadium. What happens there? Where do they go from here? There's a lot of questions, and I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I think hypothetically I would probably try, and this this is just me talking here, if I want to make money and, and pack that stadium up for an entire day, here's what I would do. If I were the Cajuns, is the fact I believe, and I could be completely wrong on this statement, but I'm almost certain last year's game with Cajuns App State in Boone, North Carolina, beautiful Boone, North Carolina, let me correct myself there, they played at 11 o'clock. Now, of course, the four-letter network might have a thing or two to say about that, but I think 11 o'clock would be ideal for this game to take place at that time. You had that game take place at 11, and then you can have whatever's left on that Saturday. If you played Friday night, you can play Friday night football with the Division Four or Division Three, whatever you want to do. But or, or you can also have that game, after all that said and done, about, let's say, hypothetically, the Cajuns game ends around 3 o'clock. Five o'clock, you start getting you start getting things ready right after. You make sure all the celebrations done. You clean everything up, and you start playing at about five thirty five thirty six o'clock. And you could play at least two really good high school football games, and be able to fill that stadium up because people are going to want to enjoy a full day of like football, high school, college, whatever it is. This place is hungry for football. We all know that. I think that'd be absolutely awesome to see. But, of course, the Cajuns need to win the Eastern Division, or the West Division, excuse me. They've looked really good up to this point of the season. The only real challenges they have left are UL Monroe. I think UL Monroe will be the team that's going to give them the most guff because it's an in-state rivalry game, and we know how heated that thing can get. And I can say, you know, we look at it, you've got, South Alabama. South Alabama is just absolutely terrible this year. They're not consistently inconsistent. They're consistently bad. And, again, this is a South Alabama team who a few years ago beat Troy after Troy beat LSU, and they basically stuck up to join the rest of the way, and they fired their head coach. I can tell you that's not the way you want to see South Alabama. South Alabama is just going to get their tail in hand to them up in Mobile next Saturday. What happens after that? I can tell you right here, right now, I think that we see the Cajuns take down Troy. I'm starting to turn around on that train. I'm starting to turn around on that train because Troy has shown me they aren't good. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Cajuns a lot. 7-2 right now. They could turn into 10-2 in a few weeks' time. But I'm still holding true with my 9-3 prediction at the beginning of the year. And if it comes true, trust me, I'm going to be walking into the 237 Roof Studios after the ULM game, walking around with a wheelbarrow to carry the huevos because your boy is going to be feeling pretty darn good. Looks like I'm feeling pretty darn good on this Saturday morning, nearing Saturday afternoon, because it is LSU Bama Day, hour number two, coming up in just a little bit. And trust me, we got a lot more to talk about when it comes to LSU Bama, some Saints, and a whole lot more, maybe. Just maybe we get a special appearance from a certain impersonator. We'll give you an idea what's coming up next 
Hour number two on the way. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. The game blitzes the airwaves with NFL action every week with exciting games on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. What a catch! Oh, wow! Touchdown! So tune in for the NFL right here on 1037 The Game. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! Time to take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. Can you hear the rumble? Can you hear the rumble? Let's call it. Welcome back. Hour number two of Under the Dome. And you can definitely feel the rumble. We are mere hours Away from LSU Bama. 90 minutes, give or take a few, from a big game LSU Alabama pregame show right here on 1037 The Game. And ladies and gentlemen, it is now official. We are gathered here today to get ready to enjoy LSU football, hopefully get a win over Alabama. Lee Corso donning the Tiger helmet in Tuscaloosa, drawing all the heel heat. Maybe it's because of the fact that, like us, he walled the smoke. What did you say? What, what did you just say? Did I stutter? I said, we want the smoke. Hey. We want the smoke. We want the smoke. We, we do want the smoke, and we want your calls on the Arco Equipment Hotline, 337-706-0111. That's how you get in on the action, because trust me, we want your calls we want your takes. We want your predictions. We've had you, we've had you call all week long the last two weeks, getting you ready, getting you geared up for this one. Now is the time. If you haven't given us your prediction, like they say at weddings, speak now or forever hold your peace. There's not going to be much time to talk about it after 11:30. We'll talk with Ross Jackson. I'll give my prediction, an in-depth prediction at that, because that's how I roll here. We'll have Scott Rabelais at high noon, and then there's one more thing I've got in store. We're doing a lot of different things on a day like today because, well, it is a spectacular day. Like a guy, you know, Prince used to say in his song, ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called life, and we're here today to celebrate college football and a big game on tap tonight. But guess what? There's a lot more going on this weekend than just LSU Alabama. There's a lot more to talk about, and we're going to do that right after this. Finally, we get it. Man, I thought it would never get here. 
The weekend is finally upon us. Oh, hell yeah! Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now. And of course, the biggest thing is LSU Bama. We can talk about it ad nauseum. And trust me, I think we have talked about it ad nauseum over the last two weeks because it's a battle of undefeated teams. Many are calling it Game of the Century Part 2. It's feeling a lot like the big game that everybody's been wanting to be for a long time and all season long. We've complained about it. We've argued about it. Does LSU deserve to be in that 230 slot? It should be prime time. It should be prime time. Everybody cried about the fact that it's not prime time for weeks. Dare I say for months. Once the TV schedule came out and they opted and CBS opted to go with Notre Dame, Georgia, which was a damn good game. They decided not to go with LSU Bama. Here's the reason why, folks. LSU Bama has been boring. It's been one-sided. It's a rivalry where LSU has been dominant. You heard me right. They've been dominant the whole darn time. Bama has not lost in the last eight years. I'd much rather see a Notre Dame, Georgia, two iconic programs based on, especially since it's college football's 150th anniversary, being prime time rather than LSU Bama in Tuscaloosa, where, you know, we talk about Tiger Stadium, Death Valley being where all football teams' dreams go to die. I think you'd say that as well about what goes on in T Town when it comes to LSU. Because that has not been good. The last time LSU won was in Tuscaloosa. That was a 9-6 game. It definitely will not be a 9-6 contest. I think we can all agree on that alone. That being said, a lot of other things going on, of course. you got the Penn State-Minnesota game. i got that on right behind me. And I'm enjoying what I'm seeing right here, right now. College football it is getting started in earnest right here, right now. And it's a wonderful time to be a fan of college football, period. And, of course, we got a lot of other things that are going on. And I said it's probably the best weekend ever. One big reason was because of the fact that you have Saints-Falcons. Yes, it is NFC South rivalry time. The bulk of the NFC South schedule, it is getting started. Saints-Falcons, the time is now second half of the season, begins tomorrow at noon when the Saints and the Falcons square off. And I am all the way up for it. So because of the fact, guess what? You get to play this team that you haven't played in what feels like forever. You get to finally kind of have that moment and maybe shove, shove their nose in a little bit and you get to have a lot of fun laughing at the fail that has been the Falcons this year. They've just been an absolute mess. Dan Quinn, he's out the door before the season's over. Sean Payton, he just got engaged. Congrats to that cat for getting it done. Longtime girlfriend, really cool stuff. I saw that pop up this morning on the Twitter machine. So hopefully, I told you something really cool on this Saturday morning. But of course, another thing that's going on, and we usually go rule of three here. Of course, we can bring up college football, NFL. One thing to me that I'm just looking forward to personally, and maybe it's just the fact that I am that guy. People who listen to the show know. And if you've listened to the show, especially in the last few weeks, I've been throwing a lot of Stuff across the wall. I'm a big wrestling fan. Big programs house for Under the Dome. And tonight is a big night. 
AEW Full Gear, baby. This is just going to be an awesome weekend, not just for sports in terms of college football, pro football. It's also the saltiest month of the year when you think about it because everybody's going to be extra salty come Monday if LSU loses to Bama. Yet the Saints-Falcons rivalry intensifying day by day. You've got Thanksgiving night football, Saints-Falcons. The saltiest week in all of, all of sports is Thanksgiving week. Why? I've talked about that a lot, but I haven't given you the exact reason why. The big reason why, wait for it, you've got the Pelicans and the Lakers, AD's return to the Smoothie King Center on Wednesday night. Thursday night, you got Saints-Falcons, Thursday night football primetime in the ATL. You know the salt is going to be real there. And then Saturday, LSU, A&M. Yes, that's what's going to be happening over the course of like four or five days. Trust me, if you're not going to have enough sodium intake over the course of Thanksgiving, you might be having a whole lot of it when you're just watching a lot of football and this will be just pure, unadulterated hatred for Anthony Davis and, more importantly, for Texas a after everything that happened last year. That's seven overtime absolute war. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, of course, if you're a big fan of Rick and Morty, it's your weekend as well because they've got the season premiere tomorrow night, 1030. It's going to be a perfect way to kind of cap off what has the potential to be one of the greatest weekends in Louisiana history. Easy to think about it. I talked about it. It's been eight years since LSU beat Alabama. They have every single chance to do the right thing and beat Alabama. Saints beat the Falcons. The Gages the other night, they got a win over Coastal Carolina. Right here, right now, that Bayou sweep has been happening with consistency. Tell me you wouldn't love to see that on a Louisiana Saturday morning or come Monday. For years, since I've been here, for the last five years, I've heard complaints upon complaints upon complaints about how LSU can't get the job done. I've heard many an expletive be thrown on the airways by some people because, well, they just, LSU just could not get it done. I think this is that year to get it done. This is the year where things do change. I think this is the year where we talk about LSU beating Alabama. I'll give a more in-depth thought about that later on in the show. Because I've got some thoughts about the battles that are going to be on the field. I've got keys. I've got a score prediction. Trust me. You want to listen in towards the end of the 11 o'clock hour. Hell, listen to the entire show. You should be listening right now. You should tell everybody else to listen in right here, right now, to hear pure, unadulterated sports talk. Dare I say it is unsanctionable. It's unsanctioned. We get to have a lot of fun here, and we've got plenty of TV time remaining, plenty of radio time remaining, is we're taking it up to 1230 with the pregame show for the LSU Sports Radio Network starts up, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. You know, your boy needs some water before we come back and keep the conversation going. 337-706-0111. 
That is a number you need to call if you want to get in on the action on this show. It's unsanctioned, no holds barred, sports talk, listen in. We'll be back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These guys are an Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with a CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 in a game. And yes, the show is encoded with some blast processing. It's your boy, CD, here with you inside the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing. And I'm just honestly just all the way jazzed up about what's coming up the rest of the way. Of course, Ross Jackson, talk a little Saints. And one last look at LSU Bama with Scott Rabelais, a lot of the key breakdowns. I was glad to kind of get him on the program. He'll be joining the show at high noon. And then about 12, let's say 18, 19. Make sure that if you're not hyped up, and you should be, you should be hyped up all the way for this game. But if you need a little bit more juice, listen to the end of the show today. Because you will hear something. <clears throat> that if it does not get you amped up, I don't know what is. I don't know what will help you get more hyped. And trust me, it's crazy what's going on right now in T-Town. I just saw a inflatable baby Trump that they're putting up because the POTUS is coming to Tuscaloosa. And honestly, I think that's just amazing. <clears throat> but all the other stuff going on is just outstanding. If you haven't if you didn't see, you know, what happened with what's I'm just still loving what I've seen from LSUfootball.net, all the things that they have, all the college game day stuff. Gotta love whenever you come back from break and you just can't stop coughing. But more importantly, you gotta love it whenever you take a break, take a sip of a sip of drink for the working man, and it goes down the wrong pipe. It is the absolute worst feeling in the world. I know I don't normally talk about those kind of things, but man, it's just been a pain in my neck the last few minutes. I'm glad that I'm with you on this Louisiana Saturday morning. And I think I've got a special guest who's one to come on the program. He's been begging me because, well, I haven't necessarily told him, hey, like I don't want to have you on the show anymore. But he wants to join the program. And sometimes... You've just got to let the man do his job. you got to let him do the thing. And I obliged. I told him, okay, I'm going to have you on one more time this year. But you got to promise me that you're going to make this a fantastic segment. Because if you don't, we'll never have you on again. And more importantly, LSU better win. Because if LSU loses, I'm not having him on again the rest of the year. Because I had him on heading into the season against the Georgia Southern game, and they beasted. They didn't have them on since, and they've been on a roll. 
I don't want to change things. I don't want to ruin things by being weird. But he demanded to join the show. He demanded. He was pretty much banging on the door of the 237 Roof Studios during the break. And he also wanted some entrance music. I don't know why, but he wanted it. So, without further ado, let's get it. Well, you get down the fiddle and you get down the bow. Kick off your shoes and you throw them on the floor. Dance in the kitchen till the morning light. Louisiana Saturday night. Oh, hey, everybody. Coach Foe, ladies and gentlemen, he has made his appearance. We told him, you need to come in. It is LSU Bama Day. So, Coach Foe, how are you feeling? Oh, T-Boy, I feel pretty all good. I wasn't going to make it to Tuscaloosa because, well, I mean, the president was in town. It's not a political thing. It's just like, I know I might be on some watch list somewhere. So, what if I go down to Alabama? I might have gotten not allowed into the Brian Dennis Stadium. Have you ever been to Brian Dennis Stadium, Coach? Oh, yeah, T-Boy. We've been there many a time. And, man, it's an awesome place. We, we had, had so lit there. Uh, t- 2011, I was there, T-Boy, and it was just awesome. Being there to see the LSU Tigers beat Alabama 9-6 to in overtime. I love me some defensive games. You know how I am, T-Boy. I love the, the DVU, man. I, just, I love the defensive line, the battle to the trenches. That's the key to victory. Without a doubt, Coach, it is the key to victory. Whenever you look at the defensive and offensive lines, who do you give the edge to right here, right now? Just in that battle in the trenches where it matters the most. You know, it's definitely tough to say, T-Boy, because we got to talk about what's going on with the offensive line for the LSU Tigers. The Tigers have been an absolute beast this year on the offensive line. Joe Burrow's been able to keep been kept a check. Magic is that Auburn game. He got hit a little bit. But I think that helps Joe Burrow. I think that's a big motivator for him because T-Boy gets it done. He knows how to handle things the right way. And he's so, so good at being able to handle whatever he gets hit. It's almost like, when he, the, you remember Waterboy? Yeah, of course, Coach. If I were talking about the Waterboy, this is like a movie everybody's seen at one point or another. Well, it's just tackling. It's almost like it's tackling fuel, but it's grit fuel. That's his grit fuel getting hit. Is he can get hit, but keeps moving forward. T-Boy is absolutely fantastic. The Tigers love him. He's a great Tiger. But more importantly, I'd probably get the edge on the offensive line. I'd give a slight edge to Alabama on that end. Wow, Coach, you're actually going to go with the Alabama Crimson Tide? You're going to go with them having the edge of the offensive line? What about the defensive line, Coach? Because I think that's going to be the biggest thing for LSU, especially with the linebacker core taking a big hit earlier in the week with Michael Divinity. Oh, T-Boy, we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. The defensive line is absolutely fantastic. I have seen nothing but great things from them. They have been outstanding all year long. Tyler Shelvin has stepped this game up to another level, and I have never seen a better defensive line in my time at LSU. I think that's saying something, Coach, because you were part of a great defensive staff when you started at LSU as a defensive line coach, and then now you're the head coach. A few years ago, we had fun with the fact, you know, Coach Foe, we can talk about it right here, right now. Ed Ozron has done an outstanding job. What can you say about how much things have changed in the last, like, three years? Oh, Timo, everything's changed because I'm not on the show as much anymore, so I'm able to talk with Coach O, and we talk a lot about different things, including the recruiting. The recruiting has changed significantly because we're seeing a focus on the state of Louisiana, and we're seeing, you know, jumping back to the POTUS, the tr- Donald Trump 
wants to build a wall. We start to build that wall around Louisiana and making sure our Louisiana boys stay in Louisiana. Stay in the boot because that's what we want. You look at Billy Napier, your boy. I like him. He's a great guy. Billy Napier, he's been recruiting the hell out of Louisiana. Willie Fritz at Tulane, he's been recruiting the hell out of Louisiana. La Tech, they've been getting it done in Louisiana, recruiting the boot. That's what you want. I want to have all Louisiana teams be able to work together to get these guys. It doesn't have to all be five stars, four stars for us. We can get those five stars. We can get those four stars. But everybody else needs to lock those guys in because guess what? I want. I don't just want LSU to succeed. I want the entire state of Louisiana to succeed because when they we winning, things are really, really good. And trust me, we want nothing but winners here. And just like you want nothing but winners here on 1037 the game. <clears throat> Yes, I do, Coach. Trust me, I want nothing but winners, Coach Foe. And I've enjoyed having you on over the last few years. I think now it's become less and less because now it's like, because we had you on, it was originally kind of a rib. A rib? Oh, man, I love it some ribs. No, Coach, not not that kind of rib, like like pro wrestling ribs, you know, whenever you're, you're pulling jokes. Oh, okay. I'm a joke too. You weren't, you weren't, Coach Foe, because it's all about, like, having fun. The show's definitely got a certain vibe to it. That's why we only had you really on my show. We we you weren't allowed at SEC media days, so I wasn't able to kind of have a whole lot of fun with the coach Vogue talking to when I'm an RP3 company. Wasn't able to pull that off. I can't believe you. you I tried to tell you I was going to go anyways, but I couldn't. I couldn't make it. Kelly wouldn't let me. Kelly, yeah, 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 boy. Okay, that's interesting. And realize you had the same like your wife had the same name as Coach O's wife. Oh yeah, Kelly and I we get along real well. Our Kellys get along really well, well. Awesome, awesome, man. And you know, anything else you want to say? Why don't you give you give a score prediction? Oh boy, you're putting me on a spot here before we wrap up this segment. I'm pretty sure you had me on, but we're gonna go ahead and um, uh, we're gonna. I thought about it all week. I thought about it long and hard. I'm gonna go with LSU seventy-two to nothing, Coach, Coach Fo. Are you serious right now? You actually went 72 to nothing? Are, are, is this a joke? Yeah, that's a joke. I'm just kidding. LSU going to win 35-21. They're going to win 35-21. The Tigers go get things done. And then the band will play neck at the end of the game. And I'll be so happy. Can I say it? No, Coach, you cannot say it. Get out of here. Get out of here, Coach. All right, bye. Thank you, Coach Foe. Thankfully, he did not say those words because I would have been just immediately fired and the show would no longer exist and we wouldn't be able to talk with our guy, Ross Jackson, when we come back from this quick time out. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. At 103.7thegame.com. Go Tigers! Get out of here, Coach! Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Pure Manchester United supporters. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. And it may be LSU Bama Day, but guess what? There's one other rivalry that everybody's looking forward to talking about. 
And that is, without a doubt, the Saints-Falcons game tomorrow, first of two in the month of November, the saltiest month of the year in South Louisiana. And I'm just outright looking forward to it. But I'm also looking forward to talking to our guy at Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked On Saints podcast. Ross, what's going on, Migo? Oh, man, doing just fine. Only doing just fine, man. Glad to be on again with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on the program. And, man, we got to kind of just get right out of the gate and talk about are the Falcons better than the record says they are? Because we've heard it all week long from the players. It feels like, to me, it's just coach speak. But is it really? are they really better than their crappy record says they are? <laughs> um, I, You know, it, it's tough because, you know, with these rivalry games and everything, and you hear it all over the place, but the rivalry games and with these division games, you always try to put records aside, put stats aside, and then kind of forget everything that you knew and come in. You know, I've been saying this whole week that the worst thing that you can do in terms of preparing for a team is to sleep on them. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is that the Shawkins game, I'm sorry, the Shawkins team just is not, they're just not clicking, and it's not working. I mean, did you see the practice video of them using players as dummies and kind of running <laughs> around them with very kind of school, you know, school kid frolic type of way? Uh, you know, if I'm a one and seven team, or if I'm the fan of a one and seven team, I don't want to see that. I want to see them out there. I want to see them practice. I want to see them, you know, getting ready for a game, uh, as opposed to you know some maybe some uh, playground games or whatever it was that they were doing. But it's it's interesting, man, because you look at the 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 offensive ability that this team has. They're number one in the NFL in the passing game, but they're scoring just over 20 points per game. So you can put up the yards, they're just not finding the end zone. They have absolutely no run game at all, averaging just under 69 yards a game. Uh, It's just not, you know, they're they're just not an offense that has everything going for them. They come into the games one-dimensional, and that's easy to take advantage of, especially when you have a defense like New Orleans to where the Saints, what they want to do is take that run game away and then challenge you to beat them through the air and see what you can do. And basically they come into that game with that game plan already sort of enacted and, 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 and knocking off the balance. And also like the fact that apparently uh, you're talking about Atlanta's practice. I mean, Atlanta's also trying to kind of rip off from, uh, the Taysom Hill gimmick by having Danny Elling, former LSU quarterback, out at wide receiver. It's like, it's like, come on, man. I think, I think the Saints should just put a cease and desist on the Falcons right about now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, uh, they're, they're trying to do what they can to get ready for him, but you can't really prepare for Taysom Hill because there's so many versions of Taysom Hill you have to be prepared for. You have to be prepared for the pass catcher that can line up out wide, but also the one that can line up in line. You have to be prepared for the run and pass blocker as well. You have to be prepared for the quarterback, the guy that's on the second pitch or on the pitch of a, uh, a fullback option. You have to be prepared for the special teams player. There's so much you have to do to actually prepare for Taysom Hill that you can't actually really do it, and you're certainly not going to replicate it with Danny Etling. I mean, he, you know, he's athletic, but he's not Taysom Hill athletic. And so... I, I get it. I, I understand what they're doing, but uh, you know, and, and they have to put together a scout team and everything. But you know, with Drew Brees coming back, they essentially the Saints now essentially got two of their players back here with Drew Brees coming back, and then Taysom Hill being able to fill that utility role without having to worry so much about being the backup quarterback, the only other quarterback on the roster available outside of Teddy Bridgewater. So it opens up the offense a little bit. So I understand them getting ready for that, but uh, you know, you, you might as well just put another tight end there, or put another wide receiver there and then scouted with them as opposed to putting out a quarterback because you're not going to match Taysom Hill's ability with that. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered, and the Locked On Saints podcast. And just looking at this team, like just at the Saints themselves, everything is starting to kind of get back to near full strength at this point in time. 
Alvin Kamara's back. Jared Cook's back. We know Drew Brees. After the bye week, he's back into a rhythm. I think things are setting up really nicely for them heading into the second half. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at that. You look at the players that they're getting back from injury as well. Jared Cook, Traquan Smith, Alvin Kamara. Everybody looks like they're on the mend and coming back to this. And you add in, you know, Drew Brees had his warm-up game, I guess you can say, against the Cardinals. Um, and then, you know, they enter a, a second half of the season now to where five of their eight games are against very familiar division opponents. The Colts right now are dealing with an injury to Jacoby Brissett. He's just been downgraded to out for this week, so we'll see how that progresses over the next few weeks. He should be fine by the time that the Saints get to him, but could he be hampered? Could he not be at 100%? We'll have to see. And then, of course, they have the Titans down the road as well. So really kind of one big challenge out of these next eight games in the game against the San Francisco 49ers. So I think the Saints actually match up very well against, especially at home. So at this point, this is the right time to really find that groove and hit that rhythm because you're going into – uh, an eight-game stretch that is comparatively easier than the eight-game stretch that you started off with, with the exception of the unpredictability of division games. But when you look at the way this division has shaken out so far, the Saints are still clearly the most dominant and better team uh, in the division, and some would say in the conference as well. So this is absolutely the right time to be getting all these guys back, getting Drew Brees back in his rhythm and finding their groove for the rest of the season. And you brought it up perfectly. Obviously, the game that everybody's going to be looking at is that uh, Saints 49ers game in just a few weeks' time, but... Of course, I mean we talked. You brought it up perfectly. Is the unstableness of, of divisional games anything can and will wind up happening? But one team like we brought it up with the Falcons, but the Panthers have definitely turned things around. A lot of that has to do with Kyle Allen. I've been impressed by seeing what they've been able to do without Cam Newton. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, Cam Newton just recently getting moved to injured reserve. Uh, it sucks for Cam Newton, but it's actually something that. For you know, just me looking at the NFL as a whole, not just through the lens of the Saints fan, but just look at the NFL as a whole. One of the big concerns that I had uh, for Carolina, not about Carolina, but in terms of how that team would continue throughout the rest of the year, was if Cam Newton was healthy enough to come back, what decision they would have to make at the quarterback position. Do you stick with the guy who's been winning you games, or do you go with the guy that's just coming off an injury and lost you your first two games of the season? And then, depending on what that decision is and how other people feel about, you know. Uh, how, it, how it potentially divides the team, that could have caused some trouble and some turmoil in that locker room, potentially, depending on what decision was made and how people felt about it. Now, that decision's made for them. They stick with Kyle Allen for the rest of the season, and it puts them in a better position to just game plan forward to the rest of the year. And we'll see what it is. I mean, look, Kyle Allen was very successful for them when he came in. He has the one loss right now to the San Francisco 49ers. And that's it. So it, they'll be sort of the next team. <laughs> excuse me. They'll be the next team in the NFC South. They're sort of the, the biggest challenge for the Saints moving forward. And the Saints will have two games against them. Thankfully, one of them, though, being that Week 17 game, which, and you know, for all intents and purposes, should be pretty pointless by the time we get to that point in the season. Talking right now with Ross Jackson, all Saints considered the Locked On Saints podcast. And of course, you know, we we brought up some injuries earlier. A lot of the players are coming back. Patrick Robinson on the final injury report heading into Sunday's matchup listed as questionable. Do we see Patrick Robinson kind of sit out this week and wait until next week's ballgame? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, look, when you're looking at Patrick Robinson at this point, he might be your highest paid special teams player, and that's kind of where he serves at the moment. Um, you know, the Saints have struck gold right now in the slot. P.J. Williams plays very well there. He, he struggles a little bit beyond 10 yards just because of top end when he's dealing with guys with top good top end speed. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson stepped in there these last two weeks and played 
outstanding football uh, from that slot position and played against some pretty good talent there as well. I mean, he was matched up with Larry Fitzgerald last week a lot in the slot, or not last week, I'm sorry, the last game against the Cardinals. And so when you look at what they've been able to do with P.J. Williams and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at this point in the season, Patrick Robinson, you know, he kind of comes down to a special teams role for the most part and then depth in the slot. And so, you know, if he's questionable and he's not able to come back, the Saints luckily didn't lose out on uh, J.T. Gray, who looked like he was going to look like, I mean, I don't know, his, his injury, when I saw him walk off after the, uh, the block punt in the Bears game, I thought that that was going to be, you know, pretty season, you know, pretty close to the season and a knee injury for him. But he came back and he was fine the next week. And so, uh, you know, the Saints still have a lot of these good special teams players. And so I think you can see Patrick Robinson sitting out this week or maybe being in an active this week just to sort of give him some more time to, to you know, heal up a little bit ahead of time. Because especially with him dealing with a hamstring injury, which is always a question of when again, as opposed to if again, it will get injured. Of course, it's just it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Saints over the next few weeks to see if we can get Patrick Robinson back and be more of a frequent role with this team. Everything that's been happening, every, like we're just seeing all the pieces get back together. We talked about it at the beginning, but now like we just got to think about everything that's going on right now with the Saints after the Drew Brees injury, after the bye week. Things are just really looking up for this team to really make some way, make some headway and possibly get a number one seed because, of course, the only other team that's really in the way of the Saints getting that done is the San Francisco 49ers who have a big game against a team in the Seattle Seahawks who have started to kind of get into form in the in the later part of the season. Yeah, the 49ers have a tougher stretch than the Saints in the second half of the season for sure, and you can expect pretty much at this point in the season if we were to look at what the playoff picture looks like, you look at the, the 49ers and the Saints being some some version of one and two, right? You look at them as being the one and two seed, depending on, and then the order which has changed. But when you look at what the Saints have we've talked about their schedule moving forward, the 49ers are about to go up against the Seahawks. They've got the Cardinals again, who they only beat by three points last week or last game. They've got the Packers. They travel to the Ravens, and then they travel to the Saints. And so, you know, the Saints are on the back half of a, of a road trip for them. And then they also still have the Rams. And then, again, the Seahawks toward the end of the season. So you look at their record for the last eight games. I'm sorry, you look at their schedule for the last eight games. You look at the Saints' schedule for the last eight games, and it's pretty clear that the Saints, you know, have the easier schedule moving forward, and the 49ers are really about to take on what's honestly going to be their first test, first true test, um, in in this season outside of maybe that Chiefs game and then of course the um the the maybe opening game against the Cowboys. But those are really the two biggest games that they've had so far. But they're about to meet up with some very good opponents and some very good divisional opponents coming forward through the season. It's L S U Bama Day Ross and I think everybody's talking about it. So why don't why don't we get your prediction on put it on wax for us, folks. Man, I think that this one's going to be – okay, let me say it this way. I have been here many, many times, as have we all, to where we approach this, this LSU-Bama game and go, this could be the year. But really and honestly, I do feel like this could be the year. I feel like this will be the year. I'm looking for the – I'm looking for the Tigers to win it. I'm looking for the Tigers to win it. I'm going um, 35. Uh, I was going to go 35-31. I want to keep it close. I think that it is going to be a closer game than what we're used to seeing. This LSU offense has been incredible this season, and they're the type of offense that gives Alabama problems we've seen in the past. And Alabama's defense is not as good as it used to be. The coaching situation and everything over there with all the assistants changing out and stuff like that, I look at all of that, and I think that this absolutely can be the year that LSU wins it. It's tough because you have to go to Tuscaloosa to do it, but I'm, I'm going with my heart. I'm giving this one to LSU. 
Oh, trust me, I'm going my heart as well on that one, but I'll give that away in the next segment. Ross, thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, homie. Take care, man. Have fun. Go Tigers and who that? Go Tigers, indeed. You can follow that man on Twitter, at Ross Jackson, A-S-C. And I'm just looking forward to expounding on my take in just a little bit. We go ahead and take a quick timeout, and when we come back, the block is going to be hot because we got one last hot take to throw out there for you on a Saturday. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make the rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game. And 1037thegame.com. Hopefully, you're enjoying your Saturday afternoon. Getting closer to the pregame show for LSU at Alabama. 12.30 pregame, 2.30 kickoff right here on 1037 The Game. All the action. Chris Blair and crew going to take care of business like they always do. I'm looking forward to hearing the call right here on 1037 The Game. Hopefully, you are as well and you're just keeping it locked in. Been seeing a lot of love on the stream right now, 1037thegame.com or the free mobile app. And now is one of the times, I, I say it, you need to listen to the whole show. Because not only do we have like great guests, we have great content, we also have something I like to call one last take. And usually it's a generalized take about something big that happened in the world of sports. It might be Antonio Brown one week. The next week it might be something else entirely. We always make a joke about it saying, hey, like, Maybe, just maybe, I'll regret this take six months down the road. This is a take that either I'll regret to regret come like 7 o'clock tonight, or I might be walking in here with a wheelbarrow with my huevos and feeling pretty darn good about myself. Because honestly, this is going to either go, this is going to be one or two ways. This is a binary one last take, and we don't do those often. Because guess what? Usually, the predictions for me are a bit of a mixed bag. But hey. Guess what? It's time. Oh, it's time for one last take. Now, mind you, we'll have an extra half hour of the show. Scott Rabelais at high noon, but I've saved the best thing for last, so you just got to listen in and hear my one final actual take about LSU Bama. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. The LSU Tigers have been on hard times, Daddy, when it comes to playing the Alabama Crimson Tide. Those Tide have put hard times, Daddy, on the LSU Tigers. And I got to say right here, right now, those hard times are over, Daddy. And we're going to see the LSU Tigers handle their business tonight when they take on the Crimson Tide. 
because Ed Ogeron is ready to have his last laugh. 2016, we all laughed at LSU when they hired the Louisiana Dream, Ed Ogeron. When they hired Ed Ogeron as the head coach, the first game, that offense, night and day, absolutely outstanding. We saw changes in LSU's offense. It wasn't necessarily changing from the archaic Les Miles I-formation toss-dive every other play, but we saw a shift, a size, not a seismic shift, but a shift nonetheless. And then the next year, we saw, obviously, LSU have Matt Canada. That offense, everybody laughed when LSU hired Ed Ogeron as the full-time head coach. The man had a dream. We're talking about Ed Ogeron, and that was to be the best, like no one ever was, and beat the big dog that is Alabama, the big dog that feels like he could never be beat, the most protected college football team in all the land. They continue to look strong, even in defeat, mind you. I think that we're going to start seeing the downfall of the dynasty that is Nick Saban. And this afternoon is the latest crack in that wall. And I got to say, LSU, everything is setting up for the perfect storm. Ed Ogeron's last laugh. He gets to have his shining moment in the sun and beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. It's not 9-6. to It's not going to be a low-scoring affair. It's not going to be a 14-10 ball game. It's not going to be 21-14. to It's not going to be 29 to nothing. It's going to be the Tigers taking care of business, and they put up 42 points, baby. 42 points right here, right now. I'm putting it on the wax. LSU 42 Alabama 38. Book that right now. As we to say, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. So if you want to listen in, you can. I'm telling you right here, right now, it's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. LSU beats Bama 42-38. Call me a maniac, if you will. But the Louisiana Dream, Ed Ogeron, going to get things done in hard times, daddy. They're going to finally be over. I'm loving it. Because LSU is going to win the national title. And they want all the smoke, be it Alabama, be it Ohio State, Penn State, even though they're losing 14-10 right now, start of the second quarter. However it is. They want all the smoke after tonight. Because we want the smoke. Huh? We want the smoke. Santo. We want the smoke. Uh-huh. We want the smoke. Come on, Charlie. We want the smoke. Yes, we want the smoke. And trust me, I am just looking forward to it. The final half hour of Under the Dome with CDA Extended Edition of Under the Dome is about to get underway. And trust me, we got Scott Rabelais. He's coming aboard. In just a little bit. But then, oh, but then, we've got something special for you. Something brewed up that I think you're going to love. And tell everybody, tell your friends, tell your family to listen in at about 1250. You'll hear something 
unlike any other, that'll get you hyped just a little bit more for LSU Bama 2019 Game of the Century Part 2. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia in a sports station, 1037game.com. at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world-famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game. And welcome back to a mysterious, like, I guess the final half hour of Under the Dome with CD. It's high noon, baby, and we are about 28, 27 minutes away from the start of the pregame show right here on 1037 The Game with LSU kicking off at 2.30 pregame at 12.30. And it feels apropos to have the pregame show. Before the pregame show, we keep the conversation going about what's causing all this. LSU Bama, of course, as always, we're live from the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing. And we're going to continue the conversation about LSU Bama like we have had all show long. And we're going to go over the Arco Equipment Hotline, talk to our guy. We have him on, it seems like, every year heading into that Bama game, and it is Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. Scott, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay. Fighting a little cold, but uh, if, hey, if Tua can play, I, I can push through it. Uh, if Tua can play, hopefully Grant Delpit can play. I think that's obviously the one big thing everybody's been talking about. He hasn't practiced much this week heading into this big game against Bama. What's a percent chance you would put on Grant Delpit playing to this afternoon? You know, I, I think a player's competitiveness ramps it up. and, and uh, But I, it's, it's a question mark, uh, no, uh, no doubt. I mean, he did a little bit on Thursday, which is their last, you know, significant practice leading up to the game. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say 55%. I, I'm going to say it's, it's almost 50-50. But I, I just think the, the magnitude of the game, if they're playing Arkansas or even Ole Miss on the road, I, I'd say he probably – he probably wouldn't play, but this is Alabama. You got to push through it, kind of like Joe Burrow pushed through that separated shoulder last year. I think that was the craziest thing to come out of this week. I mean, besides the president of the United States making it over to T Town, is the story about Joe Burrow playing with a separated shoulder heading into that ball game against Alabama, which is just a crazy enough to think about. And then he plays the rest of the year. And he goes on an absolute tear to kind of wrap it up against UCF with obviously probably still some shoulder pain he was dealing with. It is. I mean, it's something they they didn't talk about at the time. And obviously, the, he, uh, Coach Orgeron actually said on the, on the SEC teleconference Wednesday over the years. So, but that's a pretty significant one. And he did play better and better uh, as the season went on. Uh, from there, he uh, was the MVP of the Fiesta Bowl. You know, through like four touchdown passes in that game. And of course, that was just a launching point to what he's done this season. But I, I think it's, it's indicative of what well, Joe's toughness and then what his toughness has meant to this team. I think his attitude has 
permeated this team. You know, you always talk about the coaches, and we focus a lot on the coaches, but this is Joe Burrow's team to to a, to a great degree. He's a guy players will follow, and he he leads. He leads by example, and no greater example uh, than that uh, from last year's game. Talk right now with Scott Rabelais of the Advocate, and just looking at this team heading into this ball game and the way that they've played, especially against the caliber of opponents they played. Texas, Florida, Auburn, all three of these programs at one point were in the AP Top 10 poll. And, of course, we can talk about the college football playoff rankings. We're going to get to that in a few. But just looking at how they've played, how impressed have you been to see how much shift there's been towards this offense kind of running things? Because we talked about it before the season, if this offense can live up to the hype it's had. Right now, I think it's exceeded that hype we had. Well, certainly. I mean, I, and I think anyone knew exactly how much they would be dedicated to what they're doing uh, this season. Uh, you know, because you just had to know, you had no roadmap really for it. I mean, when when Orgeron took over as the interim coach in 2016, they did kind of unleash the vertical passing game a little more, that part of the playbook, you know, with Danny Etling at quarterback, and, and, and they paid some dividends. They had like a great offensive game right out of the shoot against Missouri, I recall. But this is a whole different... That's a whole different thing. I mean, they have they have flipped the script on on their offense to where uh, you know it's uh, you know people like Kirk Herbstreit are saying you know you, you no one's ever talked about LSU's offense in, in this vein. You know, being you know the cutting edge. You know, I mean they, they've gone from 1975 to the, you know, the 21st century, and, and it's, it's really true. Um, it's been a remarkable change, and, and it's it's not just one factor. It's not it's it's Ed Orgeron saying we have to. Score more points to 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 beat a team like Alabama. And Steve Insminger not having an ego to bruise, allowing him to bring in a guy like Joe Brady to bring in new thoughts and ideas. But Steve's calling the plays because Brady doesn't have a lot of play calling experience. And a quarterback like Joe Brady able to um, able to implement what they're what they're doing. It's uh, it, it's taken uh, a whole collective to make this work. But the results at times have been absolutely breathtaking, and they're going to need to be again today because obviously Alabama. Uh, yeah, we all expect two is going to play and play you know reasonably well, and they've got you know tremendous offense too. Of course, and we're going to continue to just keep an eye on what is going on. It feels like two a watch, twenty nineteen. But just thinking about the offense from a historical perspective, because you've been following the Tigers, covering the Tigers for a long time, is this the best LSU offense, top to bottom, that you've ever seen? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I think in in twenty uh, two thousand one. You know, they came along second half of the year uh, with, with Rohan Davey and Josh Reed. You know, they really, they, they really kind of opened things up. And the Alabama game that year was uh, kind of a revelation. You know, they 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 threw for a lot of yards and and they set records uh, for single game records for passing and receiving against Alabama that year. And they carried on through the end of the season when they won the SEC championship game and and then the bowl against Illinois. So yeah, but this has been. Amazing. I think back to 1982. This this reminds me a little bit of 1982, uh, back when Jerry Stovall was the coach. He had tried to keep the Veer offense, which is like a hybrid of the wishbone that was so popular back then. And then uh, he brought in Mac Brown to be his his quarterbacks coach in 1982. And Brown, like Brady, brought in this whole new idea and, uh, and way of doing things. And they upset Alabama, beat them for the first time since 1970, and they went all the way to the Orange Bowl and were within you know about 10 points or so of having an undefeated season. Uh, so it, it reminds me of that, but yeah, this is this is by far the best. And people ask me, is Joe Burrow the best LSU quarterback ever? 
Yeah, there's been some great ones. I mean, Whitey Tittle's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Burt Jones was an All-American and went on to be an NFL MVP. And Tommy Hudson left LSU as the SEC's all-time passing leader. But he keeps doing what he's doing, and he can certainly be a win this game today. He's probably at the top. Oh, the debate's going to rage on for quite some time, talking with Scott Rabelais of The Advocate. And, you know, it's the weirdest thing. We talk about it for so long about how good LSU's defense has been. DBU is one of the big talking points, especially over the last decade. And now we just look at these two sides of the football. It feels like things have been reversed in a Freaky Friday-type situation where LSU's offense is prolific, while, while LSU's defense hasn't necessarily lived up to the mark that they've had in the past. Yeah, that's true. And in uh, it's one thing. I thought, and I think a lot of people probably thought coming into the season that, you know, you it's a bit of a trade-off. You, you want to go fast on offense. You want to have these shorter possessions, and the defense gets back on the field quickly. And it's going to stress the defense at, at times, and that's certainly been true. Uh, you know, that was true of the Texas game. It was true to, you know, in the Florida game. It was, you know, they, they did better against Auburn, but Auburn's offense wasn't quite as good as, as, as Florida's. <clears throat> so, You've had some games where they've had to, uh, they've been under the gun. Vanderbilt, it looked, looked worse than it was because they gave up two defensive touchdowns against Al- against Vanderbilt, 24 points on defense. But yeah, it hasn't been a classic year for LSU's defense. I think they've, um, they, they've, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, uh, in, in the secondary with guys like Delpit and then, uh, you know, and then up front with Glenn Logan and, and Richard Lawrence. And then now they lose Michael Divinity for this, for this game and, Maybe he can come back in the postseason. That's what he's talked about. But, you know, I think you can count on that at this point. So there's been, like, a constant stream of hurdles to overcome. And now they're going up against, well, the you know, the best offense they, they've played. And probably, you know, with the, some of the best balance between Tua's passing and Najee Harris's running. So it, it's it's been, a, it's been a thing. But it has been, you know, <clears throat> LSU has changed the whole dynamic from and the way they approached the Alabama game. In the past, it's been, let's rely on the defense. Let's not make any mistakes. Let's not, you know, do anything too out of the box. And now it's like, I think they're going to go in there with an aggressive mode and, and, and try to score, knowing that Alabama is going to score too, because, the, you know, both these defenses are not up to what we thought of them in the past. And I think we could all wholeheartedly agree on that. And then, of course, another thing we got to bring up is what's been talked about is the college football playoff initial rankings out, LSU picked second over Ohio State, and we've heard the reasonings. But were you surprised to see LSU and Bama be 2-3 and three respectively? I mean, we pretty much seemingly expected heading into it that LSU was going to be the top-ranked team. I thought LSU would be number one, Ohio State two. I thought Alabama would be three. Um, and so I thought LSU had the better resume. You know, they say overall Ohio State has the, has the better strength of schedule. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, they didn't play – an FCS team like LSU played in Northwestern State. Um, but, you know, there's more good wins than anyone else. But what, what we learned from the uh, CFP committee was while they, they recognized as marquee wins against Florida and Auburn, who were 10 and 11 in the first, in the first CFP rankings that came out Tuesday, um, they did not mention at all. And so it just kind of, to me, what LSU fans have valued and hung their hat on all, all year as being one of their best wins, and it was, is not something that the CFP committee values quite as much. Now, I think the winner of this game will vault to number one. I don't think you can keep them out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, LSU's strength of schedule has put them up there in a good spot. You know, you know, if you're one or two, 
you're in pretty good shape. And you have to look with an eye to, if you lose this game, can you still be in, in the college football playoff as Alabama has been in the past when they've, when they've lost like two years ago, when they didn't make the SEC championship game, but they still made it to the playoff and beat Georgia in, in, in Atlanta for the, for the title. So all those things come into play. A couple of, couple of things though. One, the number one, the first number one team in the first rankings has never won the college football playoff in the first five years of its existence. And two, the number three ranked team has never made the playoff. The number, the number three team, the first three. So maybe LSU is in the sweet spot right here. You know, I mean, those things don't, don't really matter this year, but it, they are interesting statistics. Exactly. It's interesting to statistics. And I think I saw something as well to that point is the number two team, I believe, has won the first one in that first poll would wind up winning the whole darn thing. I don't know if it's been every year, but you can see a little bit of consistency. So maybe LSU fans should be happy with that. That being said, before we let you go, I think it's time to get a prediction on Wax. So, Scott, why don't you let me let, give us your prediction for LSU-Bama? I think it's going to be a great game. Certainly the, either team can win. It's not going to be 9-6. to six. It might be 9-6 to six in the first quarter at the point, but it's, like it's going to be you know, every touchdown scored. I, I just I, I went with I went before the season. I said LSU was going to go eleven and one, and I went out on a bit of a limb. I thought eleven and one with a loss to Alabama, and I'm going to stick with that. I, I think uh, I picked Alabama thirty three twenty nine. Uh, I think I think both teams score a lot of points. It's a game LSU can win, but you know I, I'm concerned for LSU in terms of having losing Divinity, who was one of their best pass rushers, and the, the possibility that Grant Delpit is going to be hobbled or. Or it may not play, and we're certainly going to find out. But uh, I think those are th- tough issues to overcome. But these teams could meet again in the playoff. It wouldn't su- wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either, Scott. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, that was Scott Rabelais. You can follow him on Twitter at RabelaisADV. The man is just an absolute legend in the industry. It's great to have him aboard this program. We've had him on almost every year. Since uh, back when the producers was around, we had him on heading into the Bama Week, notable LSU games on the docket before baseball season. How can we not have this cat on more often? Let's go ahead and take one more timeout and make sure you're listening in the next segment. I've got something for you. One last parting gift as we get closer to LSU Bama. Get hyped, get amped up. It's coming up next. Uh. It's easy to stay motivated and track your progress. So get that heart rate up and boost your metabolism with convenient day and evening classes seven days a week. Ambassador Caffrey at Kali Saloon next to Fielding Stream. OrangeTheory.com. More life. Hello, Andropont Printing. Hello, do you have cell phones there? I have a cell phone, but I'm not giving you my number. You call enough as it is. No, I don't want your cell phone number. I want my own cell phone. Son, how old are you? I'm seven and a half. Why would you need your own cell phone? So I can always call whenever I need something. Well, you don't need to call us every time you need something. Don't you like helping people? At Andropont Printing, we love helping folks with all their printing and design needs. No matter what you need printed we can help from business forms banners brochures advertising specialties we can even help you design and print your own books but we can't help you get your own cell phone then you should stop saying you have something for everyone since 1952 making type talk 
Entrepont Printing, where we have something for everyone. Entrepont Printing, easy to find on the I-49 service road. Call 800-738-2500 or at entrepontprinting.com. Being in the Army National Guard is about more than serving your country. It's about being there for your community when your neighbors need you most. The Army National Guard makes college affordable, and serving part-time can help you graduate debt-free. Do you want to stay close to friends and family? The Guard allows you to serve close to home. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard lets you have the life you want. Learn more by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Bold statement. Saving money with Geico is almost better than watching football. Think about it. When you're watching the game, yelling at the quarterback to throw the ball, throw it, Williams is wide open, why are you doing this to me? Use that rocket arm, come on! They don't listen to you. But if you went into a Geico office and yelled, someone please help me save some money on car insurance, everyone would hop to it. Except the intern, because it's his first day and he doesn't even have a computer yet. See? Better. Switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. 1037 The Game is a Kadiana sports station. And we go wherever you go with the free 1037 The Game mobile app. The app has me connected all the time. Catch the live stream anytime or listen on demand to all of your favorite live and local shows. Download the app. The 1037 The Game mobile app keeps you connected to all our blocks and the Clubhouse Rewards Club, where you can win spectacular prizes. Play clock at 2. Download the free 1037 The Game mobile app today. Presented by Visit Avery Island. Every time CD takes the mic, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. We're 10 minutes out from LSU-Bama pregame show, Game of the Century Part 2 right here. And I am just feeling amped up for a lot of different reasons, mainly because of the fact that we're only a few minutes away from wrapping up the show. That means I I can get ready to enjoy a lot, and I mean a lot, of great football. Right now we got... Penn State, Minnesota, up on the big screen behind me. 21-10, Minnesota up. Make that, I believe, let me see, 20, actually 24 now. They just made a field goal, 24-10 in the second quarter. Minnesota definitely being an agent of chaos here, knocking Penn State off of their perch, looking like right about now. That would be wild and woolly to say the least. Talk to your kids about an undefeated Minnesota Golden Gophers before it's too late. They definitely are beasts and cornets right now. Golden Gophers feeling pretty good about themselves, and they should. They really should. But, of course, I've teased it all show long. What have I teased? I've teased possibly the greatest hype mix ever. And why am I saying greatest ever? Because I created it myself, and I'm just going to put myself over as much as humanly possible. 
It's something I've worked on over the last few days because, of course, we've compiled a lot of sound. We've heard from both sides. We've heard from Coach O, Nick Saban, Joe Burrow, Joey LSU, Joey Football. And we also have heard from Jerry Judy, a lot of other players all throughout the week. A lot of different perspectives to look at this ball game. A lot of keys looking back at last year. It's a new game. It's a new week. It's a new day. And we're nearing the end of the wait. 14 days since LSU last played. And they actually started at the same time against Auburn at 2.30. Their second straight 2.30 game. It's weird to think that LSU hasn't been playing at night nearly as much as they, they're used to. But they've been able to right the ship and get things done and get things done right. Now, without further ado, it's time for the hype mix that everybody's been waiting for. And the time is upon us, Paul. The time is now. It's the match that both men need to win, and neither man can afford to lose. Tigers move on to 8-0, 4-0 in the SEC. Torn sounds. This one's in the books. Tigers win. Tigers win. LSU victorious. Holding and outlasting Auburn by a final of 23-20. to Get on Alabama. Big game for our football team. Big game for our fans. Great week for LSU Tigers. We're looking forward to this week's preparation. Focusing on our football team and our fundamentals and our tackling and getting better. Playing at a very high level right now and uh, very explosive on offense and still have one of the best defensive teams in the, in, in the country. I think our focus needs to be on uh, attention to detail, doing the little things right, uh, trying to execute the plan against uh, what has been a, a, a very good team in terms of how they do things, whether it's on offense, defense, or special teams. We've had a lot of great games with these guys. I think everybody's been ranked in the top 20 since 2007. No more. I wouldn't say more motivation. I mean, we're playing in the SEC. We're undefeated. You know, we have a chance to do special things here, and we have the last eight weeks too. So if you if you need motivation, then you're in the wrong place. You know, you got you got motivation all through the year. Oh yeah, you know, everywhere people play against Alabama, they all gonna give them the best. So, and we ain't really focus on every receiver call. You know, they do what they do, and we just gonna do what we always do. You know, play football and go out there and compete so we can win the game. This is a great challenge for our team, playing, you know, probably the best team in the country. I think the number one team, um, extremely explosive on offense, still play really good on defense. Uh, you know, it's going to come down to the same old things, you know, playing with discipline, blocking, tackling, basic fundamentals, turn, not turning the ball over, explosive plays, and, you know, people have to maintain their poise so they can do that for 60 minutes in a game. You know, guys are confident, uh, confident in the game plan, confident in our abilities. We've been in some big games. We've been on the road. We've been in a hostile crowd. Uh, I really like our football team. Uh, we feel good about this weekend. 
SEC Championship, SEC West, going to the SEC Championship, having a chance to be in the college football playoffs, having a chance to win the national championship. I mean, that's the best for us is every game in the SEC. To get to where you want to go, it seems like you have to go undefeated. That got me hyped up unlike any other, mixing it down, putting it all together, the amount of hours that put that were it just to come up with every single soundbite that was relevant to the conversation. This could have been a 20 minute mix. This could have been five minutes. This could have been an hour worth of sound highlights and everything in between. But how can it not be a almost again? I've talked about it before. I'm a big wrestling fan. And if anybody knows me well enough, knows that hands down the greatest hype video that ever existed was Rock Austin, WrestleMania 17 in Houston, Texas, the hype promo with Limp Bizkit My Way. This was a direct, inspired by, almost ripped off completely. How can I not have that to hype you up right before LSU Alabama? We're two minutes away from the pregame show getting started. I'm out of here. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Go Tigers. Go Saints. Peace.